0: Episode 118 of Above Ground Podcast, The Big Ask with Devin Tomiak of The Biggie's Conversation Cards. Disclaimer, the host of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Fully and Timothy Patrick. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast Interviews. What's up? You down with
1: TPP? Yeah, you know me.
0: This morning, we are joined by Devin Tomiak, who is the CEO, I will say, of The Biggie's Cards. She she started the, the company, The Biggie's Cards, which are conversation starter cards for youth empowerment after losing her brother to suicide. And we are so excited to have her. There's a local connection, too. Her husband's from Troy. It's it's just the it's just the universe talking to us, man. Devin, thank you so much for being here this morning. How are you?
2: I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I feel so um, honored and excited to be a part of what you guys are doing. It's it's incredible, and I'm I'm thrilled. So thank you. Just start by talking about my brother. Um, he died by suicide almost seven years ago, and his death was like this shocking. And utterly tragic twist of fate that left me and really everyone who knew him reeling. He was 28 and he'd never before threatened suicide nor made an attempt. He was this guy who was just super charming and witty and um, fun-loving and handsome and he was really supported. Like I, I, we have two of the most loving and devoted parents imaginable and me and my, my siblings are super tight. And Grant had, you know, a gazillion friends and, you know, good friends, friends that he's, you know, he had had since kindergarten. And he was, um, he was just this kind of force of, of just like great energy. And he um, he'd actually found some success at a young age as a chef in Houston. Um, he went to culinary school right down the street from you guys in Poughkeepsie at the Culinary Institute. And, uh, you know, he was this guy who like at 12, he was watching the Food Network. And that was before people were actually watching the Food Network. You know, he kind of discovered his passion at a very young age and pursued it. So after high school, he had gone to culinary school and then he cooked in new york city and in napa valley and then he came back to houston and just uh made a big splash at a a young age he got a job as a line cook at this pretty uh you know preeminent restaurant and houston is you know they have a vibrant culinary scene there
0: yes that i'm familiar with
2: yeah and he just climbed the ranks really quickly. And next thing you know, he was executive chef and he was nominated for a James Beard award. And he was in Forbes 30 under 30 for food and wine. And
0: wow. That's that comes with a lot of pressure too. Boy. Wow.
2: You know, I mean, he always seemed to be handling it with grace and he was a lighthearted guy. Um, He, ended up leaving his job and, and he was on the brink of opening his own restaurant with uh, these two partners that were also awesome people. And, and then he died. And um, that was all, I guess, I guess I, what I've just explained was all kind of on the surface. Um, he seemed like not someone you would expect that from. In the background, he had been diagnosed with ms four months before his death and no one knew his family knew um and i don't know if you guys are familiar with with ms but i think it's like if you have ms you have a seven and a half times higher likelihood to die by suicide than someone in the general population um and I, and, you know, when I, when I found out, my mom had called and told me, oh, you know, Grant got this diagnosis and, and I knew he had been, you know, he had been going to the doctor and he had had some health issues, um, but it was, he wasn't sick. Like he wasn't visibly sick. You know, he was going with his life, uh, but I had looked it up online and I had kind of like learned that about the suicide risk. And I had said to myself like, oh, okay, that's something we need to be aware of down the line. Uh, and... As it turns out, it's like, you know, you're most at risk during what you call transition points, um, diagnosis being one.
0: Yeah. Hospitals, uh, coming out of the hospital following a hospitalization is another one is a very difficult one too, for people who've been hospitalized for either attempt or for a crisis. And then that few weeks in between is a very dangerous time for often a lot of people.
2: Right. And, um, You know, Grant wasn't like deal. I mean, he was, and he was dealing with some depression. It hadn't been something chronic in his life, but it was something he was dealing with, you know, then. And he was, you know, seeing a therapist for that, and he was on different sorts of drugs to try to figure out what was the right kind of cocktail of of medications that could help him. And um, yeah, so it was just like mind blowing, and for me. Um, at the time, I was pregnant with my second son, and I was, you know, losing my brother was obviously like the rug being pulled out from underneath me. And not only that, like, you know, it's just like the loss of this, in, this major part of your life, someone who you love more than anything. And then there's also the fact that, like, I had this worldview that you know, if you have all of your ducks in a row and, you know, you're not dealing with, let's say drugs and alcohol, and you haven't been depressed for a gazillion years. And, you know, I have these like ideas in my head that someone like Grant, why would he die of suicide? Like, how could he fall victim to that? And cerebrally, like, you know, I knew that suicide can affect any, you know, it can, it can, it's so it's scary how you know how it affects just so many people um and it can and it and anyone could succumb to that in a way but it's like you know I didn't really believe that and so it just like scared the hell out of me um especially because I was a parent and I was you know pregnant again and I'm like thinking like oh my god if this could if if this could affect Grant, who seemed to be like a very well-adjusted person, what was keeping it from infiltrating my life in other ways? Like, you know, what how what was keeping my other family members and my dear friends safe? You know, and uh, so I I was like on this soul-searching mission for a while, just trying to make sense of it, because I couldn't make sense of it, and. Um, I was doing all this learning and you know a lot of it was kind of spiritual growth and a lot of it was just scientific knowledge and at some point I was just like you know what I, I feel like my kids would kind of like to understand some of this stuff I feel like you know my son would be you know at this time he was he was probably five or six but like he'd kind of be interested in some of this information that I'm learning if it was presented in a way that was accessible to him and exciting and interesting. And so I just kind of came up with the idea for these cards, these conversation cards that really focus on social emotional concepts. And it was a healing process for me, you know, just it was something to throw my energy into. And um, I felt like I was putting something into the world and, and grants honor that, that was good. And, and there, there that, was, that was it really.
0: That's 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 incredible, because that's I mean, that that's really and I know you talk a lot about resilience and the resilience of and, right. and building resilience and that you just proved resilience tenfold there. It's it's incredible. Wow. And that's such a gift to the world to, to start a conversation. And I know from my own personal experience that that was that was a major reason for me to when I went through my own crisis, even though I hadn't made an attempt, but I was putting a plan together to make an attempt. I just kind of, I, and my daughter at the time was only like one and a half. And I figured if I could get out by the time she was two, then she wouldn't have to have me, you know, grow up with me. But then I realized after I had enough time and did enough Uh, and learned enough about my own stuff. And, and, you know, I have it in my family. My mother has attempted twice. She's severely mentally ill also. And uh, my aunt also, but I realized that, and I learned this from being at AFSP that actually, if someone in your immediate family dies by suicide, that your immediate children and the aftermath of that, it makes it even more prevalent that that's a possibility. And I said, well, the cycle has to stop here regardless of how tough it gets or whatever, because there's treatments, there's, there's stuff out there. So.
2: Right. And I, and I, and I believe what you said, like, you know, conversation is kind of like the only thing we have in a way. Um, it really is.
1: Really is. I believe that.
2: It's like this. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it can be so. It's like how we connect with each other. And you know, shit happens. Like, you know, there's no, there's no avoiding adversity in your life, but it's minimized or it's mitigated, you know, when you're able to talk about it with people, people who have gone through it or people who haven't people who just love you and people who care, you know? So.
0: Absolutely. And your brother, I'm, and I, I can't speak for your brother, obviously, but knowing, knowing his background and how talented he was and how, you know, how artistic he was, it, it goes to show that I, I do really believe that people who are super creative like that have an even greater tug and pull of, of both the dark and light because they're, they're still fighting off something that, that, regardless of how you present on the surface, you're always fighting that doubt, regardless of whether you let anybody see that doubt. Because we all have doubt, no matter what, in, in one way or another, regardless of of what our background is or how good we are at something. And I think sometimes the better you are at something, the doubt is actually very, very, it's almost a criminal act because you almost don't even feel the doubt creep in until it's almost smacks you in the face.
2: Yeah. I think that's really interesting what you're saying. And, um, you know, I'll say with Grant, it was like, you know, he didn't, I don't think he, he, Talked about that. I think that's why I think what you guys are doing is so amazing. It's because you guys are talking about stuff that that people don't talk about on the rag. You know, you're talking about things that are like pushing deeper. And and I feel like one thing with Grant is, you know, it's like when he got his MS di- diagnosis and and he didn't want the world to know. And and I just remember, you know, calling him up after my mom had told me and being like, Hey, you know, I'm so sorry to hear you know about the diagnosis or whatever and he's like oh it's okay Devin like don't worry about it it's it's, it's not a big deal and I was kind of like what do you mean it's not a big deal like it, it is kind of a big deal you know I mean like we can talk about this like we were really close and he didn't want to talk about it with me and he didn't want his best friends to know and I, that always like kind of sticks with me because I'm like wait a second talking about it like that that's what we need to be doing like these you know our struggles and the hard moments in life. Like that's, like I said, if, if there's, there's no answer, but like, that's the closest I think we can get to an answer. Um, That's why
1: that's, that's why it's, it's important for people like you to share your story because uh, particularly this story, um, you know, I find it, uh, I don't, I I'm lost for word, but I'll say fascinating that, you know, and this isn't the first uh, situation that we have encountered with this kind of um, outcome where you have a person who, who is talented, who is loved, has a good family unit, has their ducks in a row, as you would say, and, and then this, this, this tragic outcome. And it just goes to show you, like you said, it's, it's this, this, it's, it doesn't discriminate. You know, the, there's no particular person that it gravitates for, towards. And, you know, I, I feel like if we can get that out more in the mainstream because this this whole image of the way that media portrays life and it almost makes you think that way that's why you were almost like second guessing well he's got his ducks in a row this shouldn't happen to him it's because of the culture that we live in and we don't want to talk about the difficult things you know we want to we want to create this image that if you have money and if you and if you have a good career that you're successful And that's, that's the, the, the furthest thing from the truth, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it has to start at the top, at the top really. And, and, you know, we have, we have to get it out into that mainstream area and, and, you know, create this, uh, you know, think, you know, almost, I I don't even know this way of thinking for people because they just see an image and they just want to gravitate towards that. And, well, this is what the news says, or this is what this says. So this must be true.
2: Yeah, I, I'll just say like, you know, since kind of um, launching these cards and having conversations like we're having now, I, I it's unbelievable to me how many people, once like, you know, you open up, it's amazing to, to hear how many people are like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I've, I lost so-and-so to suicide and I lost, you know, this person in my family and this dear friend and I've experienced um, suicidal ideation and, it's crazy, you know, the number of people who this touches and yet it's still something that, you know, we're like talking about right now about how it's, how it's almost, there's like the stigma of shame around it. And
1: that's exactly what it is. That's yeah. exactly what it is for sure.
0: People call uh, it the, people call it the elephant in the room, but I'd actually like to, I'd actually like to change that to the great white in the room. Because the thing about it is the elephant an elephant is a very serene animal and an, ele- an elephant will you know charge you when provoked but I think it's even more sinister than an elephant because a shark will will literally surface the water and and chase you down if and not and, and, and this is predator. that type of thing it's a predator and an elephant is not. A pre, like not your traditional predator. So it's more of the great white in the room. Cause if this thing bites you, it can cut you in half and it will take your life. And, and that's, and that's part of the, and that's why it's so great that you're doing what you're doing. And especially because Tim talks about it all the time. We need to start, like, I know we talk about the top down, but it, it actually really starts at the bottom. It starts with us because we obviously see, the, the way this world is, is being portrayed and the way our outside world has been literally co-opted in the last year and a half. And it doesn't matter which side you're on. It just seems like it's just a bunch of noise. And and it's not really like, and, and I don't want to get into political stuff because that's not what this is about, but it's like, it starts with your leaders. And if your leaders are are promoting, you know, anxiety and they're promoting anger and they're promoting hate, and you buy into that and you don't have that independent independent thought, or you can't think for yourself and do your own research, then you're going to buy into whatever they tell you. And I think by you having these conversations at a younger age, I think you start that conversation a lot easier and kids will feel a lot better about themselves too, because that's a lot of it. Because again, and I see it in my own, I see the stuff on YouTube and I'm not, I'm not coming down on YouTube, okay? I understand that there's the yin and yang of everything the internet of things is a great tool or it's a great manipulator depending on which how you use it and it's so it's it's it doesn't really matter it's just it's a matter of people needing to be able to realize that they're being manipulated And then being able to actually separate themselves and say is this really true or am i just going to go along because this guy looks like me and this guy acts like me and this guy says things that i wish i could say because that's we we've gotten card, we've kind of been given a card to be an asshole and it's okay to be an asshole when it's really not okay to be an asshole like you know what i mean it's kind of like one of those things and sorry i got off on (laughs) that I apologize, <laughs> no, but no, it's
2: I'm, I'm, I'm following you. Well, but, but
0: it's true, but it, it it makes it harder to have a conversation because I really think that we're all in recovery from something. And I had this conversation with someone recently at a recovery center who is a, a peer support person and he's amazing at what he does. And um he was saying, I mean, how many people that you don't know everybody's in recovery from something, regardless of whether they're actively in recovery or not. <laughs>
2: Oh, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. I, you know, I, I think people will walk around with a ton of trauma. Um, and and sometimes, you know, what can be traumatic for one person? You know, someone else is like, takes and. Bingo. Trauma, Bingo. <laughs> right? Um, but we all kind of have our individual experiences. And you're totally right about uh, today's. Kind of like world it being harder and harder to connect because of the the political political environment because of the internet because of like i don't know for whatever reason like you know people are like more atomized than ever and I, at the end of the day i mean i think connection is the number one um way to f- you know fend off suicide and and other mental health issues and um <clears throat> You know, I talk a lot about, like you said earlier, I talk a lot about resilience um, and the number one protective factor for everyone and children, children as well is, is connection and and having that um, support from someone in your life who can, you know, loves you unconditionally and is there no matter what. So, and, and, you know, it's just like, anecdotally, I'm sure you guys also can relate to this. It's like, what do you do when you're going through a tough moment? It's like, you call people, you call your support system. Like that's, that's our go-to like other people. And yet like, yeah, this world is like making it harder than ever just to, to see people for who they are.
1: Sure. And I think you get people on the other end of that as well, that, they may have that, you know, two or three good friends, you know, as a support system, but they, they don't want to be the burden. They don't want to call them. They don't want to say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm struggling today or, you know, God forbid if they do. And then maybe that person is, is like driving or something. They can't, they can't uh, be available at that given moment. And then they start saying, well, geez, maybe this isn't my friend. You know, it's really, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing. And I, I, I do feel, that's where accountability comes in, where you have to, if, if you are the one that's struggling, you also have to have some accountability to say, I'm going to stand up and, and, and tell somebody and call somebody and, you know, and, and, and have that, you, there has to be like a mutual willingness, I, I guess I would say on both parties to, to have that, have that conversation.
2: And, and when I talk about connection, I mean, I, I think like you're saying, like it's always great to have your small circle, but it's bigger than that. It's being able to connect with the person who in that moment can, can help you, which I feel like is what you're talking about, Tim. It's like being able to call someone who maybe that's their job, right. You know, maybe it's a suicide hotline, whatever it is, like that feeling that I'm going to be able to connect to another human individual, you know, another human, like, I'm going to, I'm able to do that. I want to do that. I need to do that. Like, it's just connecting in any way. You know? Yeah, um, I
1: agree because there's actually been, there's been studies that prove that, you know, if, if someone is in that, uh, you know, state of mind that, and if they do, or if they're able to call a, a hotline or reach out and just the, just the conversation that surrounds it and, and somebody asking that question can, mm-hmm. can, can somewhat diminish those thoughts within that person.
2: Right.
0: But unfortunately, and not to cut you off from your thought, Devin, I just want to because the thing is, though, man, when you're in a darkened room and you're feeling around for the light switch, it may take you forever to find the light switch, man. And you may just give up and sit down in the center of the room and be like, I can't find the light switch because it, it feels like you're wearing concrete shoes when you're walking around <laughs> in that darkness, man. And it makes it very mm-hmm. hard to make. It makes it very hard to make decisions. And then, and then, of course, the cascading effect of that is, oh my god, I can't make a decision. So now more doubt creeps in, and (laughs) it just, and I, and I'm just speaking of like from my personal experience because, like, we we like to talk about reaching out, and 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 truthfully, yes, it's important to reach out. I'm glad that I reached out at certain different times, and like Tim and I are struggle buddies. Like that's what we call each other because you generally generally I can tell when he's struggling and he can tell when I'm struggling. And sometimes we're struggling at the same time. So we can sort of tell when we both are because neither one of us is very communicative about anything, <laughs> but, <laughs> which is, you know, which you know, we're, I'm never at a loss for words generally, but, um, but I, I do think it's hard. I, I do agree that there's a certain amount of self responsibility, but it's also hard to, to make that first step for people often. And it was hard for me to, it was hard for me to admit that I needed help. And it was hard for me to admit that I felt like a failure and a, and uh, you know, I felt like I had failed at so many things and that it was almost better to like the, the fact that you don't maybe have to face that in the morning is is sometimes easier than facing it again every day.
2: Yeah, I, I love that analogy about, you know, like trying to find the light switch in a dark room and, I, you know, that's, so. it's, that's powerful. And, um, you know, I think that just goes back to the whole problem with like the stigmatization of, of, you know, this, this topic. And, um, because it's like, it's like, it's so, you know, it's, it, if it, if there wasn't a shame around it, then people, it wouldn't be such a hard thing to do. It wouldn't be such a hard thing to to pick up the phone and call if it was more normal, like if everyone kind of spoke about um, these things openly and didn't feel like a you know they wouldn't feel like a burden because it'd be so commonplace. Um, I
1: agree. I think even even if we had more people with your um, mind frame as to to kind of take it uh, on a level of the kids on the children, you know, in that in a in a low age group and and talk to them about it because. Right. I think that's, you know, again, it's, these are, these are life skills. It doesn't, you don't have to be in a, you know, in a darkened room or somebody doesn't have to be in immediate pain. These are skills that for life, for anybody that can use. And if, and if we kind of instill these at a young age, I think eventually these conversations will be more of the norm.
2: Right. And like, you know, after my brother died, my my gut reaction was like, you know, how can this have happened? Like, what what went wrong? What could we have done differently? What what if what was you know what change could have prevented this? And so I just remember kind of going on the MS Society's website, and and there's a little about depression, and it's, it, and and I was kind of like feeling like God, I feel like if Grant had known that depression was like this side effect of the disease or like if, you know, suicidal ideation, if he, maybe he would have spoken about what he was experiencing with us. And, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, that's just, you know, it just goes back to the whole thing of let's just talk about it. Let's just be open. Let's just, let's just kind of address the great shark in the room. Um, (laughs) But I don't know.
1: Can I, I, I have a question and if. And if you don't want to answer it or, or whatever, obviously we can move on. But, um, for, for your situation with Grant, was there, um, you know, any, like, was there any note or anything left behind? Or was there any, like the day or two before any inclination?
2: You know, it's really interesting. You asked that there, there was a note, but it, it, it was, uh, it was more like family. I love you type of, it, it didn't give any answers. Um, it was crazy. He was supposed to come visit me and my family here in Denver. Um, that he, he died on a Monday. He, he had a plane ticket to get on a plane. You know, he was coming on Wednesday. He had literally been on the phone. You know, as I mentioned earlier, he was in the process of opening his own restaurant. He had been on the phone with the arc you know with the bank opening a, an account like earlier that day and uh, had met with the architect. He had been uh, featured in the Houston Chronicle like that Friday before he had just taken his golf clubs to, you know, for the handle to be like redone. Um, there was like no giving away items or there was none of those kind of red flags that you that you think.
0: I have a question for you actually, because this obviously now this is your younger brother or yeah, older. Yeah, okay. Okay. Have you experienced any, any sort of ideation? Have you gone through depression? I mean, grief is, we know that grief is not a linear thing either. We, we go through the stages of grief at different times and those stages aren't like they, they there's no set thing for grief or anything. And grief can take on many Many ways, but have you had your own mental health challenges since? Have you been through like some depression or anything?
2: Right. Um, you know, thankfully, I, I haven't. That said, I, I can definitely relate. Uh, you know, it was, it took me years to be able to talk about this without crying. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, like this, creating these cards and and putting them out into the world and talking about resilience and having these conversations has made it so much easier for me uh, to be able to speak openly and understand and digest what, what has happened and kind of come to peace with it. Um, But it's, it's been a, it's been, it's been hard and it's been it, it was really tough at the beginning. It was awful. And in fact, you know, I just, but I, I'll, I will say my, so Grant died in August and, um, my second son was born. He was born early. Um, he ended up coming in December and it was like such a blessing because it was a huge distraction, you know, taking care of a baby was, like, it monopolizes all your time and, and your, and your brain power. And so, Thank and I, I just remember thinking like, thank God I have I can focus on him and not my pain and not my grief. It was like that got me through, um, you know, the first year or, or the first two years I'd say, just not having you know just having this outlet because uh, it was it was brutal.
1: Did did you um, if you don't mind me asking, eventually maybe either see a therapist or or tackle those? those feelings and emotions just because in my experience, like to kind of shelf them or to, to use a distraction for a long period of time can, uh, for me, it usually backfires and and everything builds up and just erupts. Right. Until, until you have that conversation with yourself.
2: And, and yeah, I did. Um, I did, you know, speak with therapists. I didn't see anyone on a regular basis. Um, you know, one of the hardest things for me was just like the anger that I felt, um, that that this could, at the world, but at Grant, uh, that he could do this to my family and to himself, and I I remember going to this. I mean, she she's like um, what's the word? She's like a medium and um so she's not like your traditional therapist but i just remember talking to her and like trying to be like you know i i can feel them and i you know just and she said to me like you know you need to to say out loud i forgive you grant you know it's it sounds hokey but you need to start doing this regularly and i was like oh okay you know whatever like that's going to make a difference but let me tell you that that like made a big difference in my life and so you know healing came from, from that and from, like I said, trying to take this experience and turn it around and, and, and learn um, and learn about you know, the world, learn about suicide, um, learn about you know, just becoming more spiritual. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that I completely shelved it because I think your point is well taken, Tim. It was just um, more that in that acute period, I I was able to shelf it, you know, to be, to be honest. And until I could, you know, over time kind of grapple with it and and come to terms with it. But I I definitely, I wouldn't say I just closed my eyes to it. It it, it was this. Yeah, I
1: I didn't want to, I didn't. I I didn't I didn't mean for it to come out that way. It was just uh, it was more of a question.
2: No, to, I think to to point.
1: basically, yeah. to, I'd like to hear how. Okay.
2: Absolutely, I think it's an important point. And I I'm just didn't want to. You- I don't. Uh, yeah. No. No. I'm glad that you brought that up because you're right. Like it's, it kind of sounded maybe like I I just shoved it under the rug. Um, but it was more like- well,
1: and, and and it wasn't necessarily. I think we all do. I think. As, as a culture, I think that's what we do, you know, whether it's whether we turn to work or whether we turn to uh, love or, or drugs or food, whatever.
0: Jimmy's freezing whatever up on us is, there.
1: it is, what, what's that? Well,
0: dude, you're free. Like you freezing up on me there. Oh, uh, sorry. I'm sure it's, it's all good, but I, I can't stop you from freezing up.
2: Yeah. But, but no, I, I you're think freezing. you're right though. Like it is like distraction wow. is, is both. I, I think personally it can, it can, can become unhealthy, but it, there's, it's, it was healthy for me, you know, or it was, it helped me at least um, to get through those really rocky, you know, for you know, the year, first year or two. So, um, but, but you're right. That that's, that's definitely something that can go the other way quickly.
0: Absolutely. I've, I learned, Right, I learned, I learned about myself. We just passed, like we're into a hundred, like by this time we're into like a hundred and something episodes. And I realized that avoid like distraction becomes avoidance for me. And I've learned that my avoidance, my avoidance tactics aren't, aren't very beneficial all the time, mm-hmm. but it's taken a long time to learn that. And I realized that, you know, it was the way that I was taught as a kid to avoid things. Like you just kind of, like you either just don't deal with them or you, you know, you deal with them on a surface level until, till that great white shark comes up and taps you and says, Oh, I'm here. I'm coming yeah. for
2: you. Oh yeah. And, and I'm like a person who kind of at the end of the day has a hard time. Like I'm real straightforward. I'm real. Like I, like, there's not much, I don't do much like avoiding naturally, you know? So if I'm able to avoid a little like that, that's helpful to me because otherwise like I just, Get into something and like don't get out of it, you know. Sure, and that's kind of my personality.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's and you know we're all we all we're all different and we all have our ways of of handling stuff. And I'm I'm glad that you turned such a negative experience though, into such a positive. And you're putting out that energy because it's interesting that the medium said to, that you needed to forgive him and, and be, and I, like, I agree because we're all energy. We are all energy. That's all we are. There's there's when you boil it down in a microscope and you start getting into the atoms and the like molecules, like, you we're just energy and we come out of this world, but we're not part of it. So it's absolutely inc- important to, to to th- you know, to say, I forgive you or to say thank you or whatever, if depending on, you know, what the situation is.
2: Yeah, no, I, yeah, totally. I, yeah, it's, it's wild, right?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's incredible. It's crazy. The cr- it's crazy what the universe will put in front of you. If you, if you're, if you're paying attention to it, not everybody pays attention to it. Some of us just got blinders on and we just got to go, 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 go. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, well, it's I funny.
2: It's fascinating, so Go it's ahead, funny. Th-
1: no, it's just funny to talk about the universe. I just want to rewind uh, for for a minute. And uh, when I first, um, how I first, uh, I guess, uh, was introduced to, to Devin, not personally, but like um, I was just scrolling and I saw an article, and it was attached. It was on the AFSP page, and it was the building resilience in my children um, article that she wrote. So I read it and I was just, it really, it was, I think it was around the time where we were actually doing uh, an episode on resilience for one. And then I was also, I had a design that I was working on and she used a word that I needed to fit into my design. And I used that word, which is autonomy. So I think that whole, again, that whole universe thing is, is, was uh, definitely played, played its part in this for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm a believer for sure.
1: Can you, can you share with us and everybody about, I know we've mentioned about the, uh, the biggie cards. Can you kind of uh, just go a little bit more in, in depth as to what you do and what, what, what they are?
2: Sure. Um, so the cards are designed for elementary aged children and their families or to be used in a classroom as well. Um, and they're, they are different from other conversation cards because they are kind of like a glorified conversation card. They're physically big. They're like six inches by eight inches. And each card focuses on a different social emotional concept. Um, and then they fall within five categories, which I'm probably going to forget the five categories, body, mind, spirit, heart, and, and world. And, um, the idea is that, you know, each card kind of has a hook because I I mean, I kind of just, when I was creating them, I just thought, well, what, you know, how can I get my, my son to, to talk about these things? And, you know, he's a really curious kid as our kids in general, I'd say. Um, and so I wanted to make it like each card has a hook as I call it, uh, which is something that is a fun fact or some bit of science or um, a quote from some kids movie or a famous figure. Some of them have silly exercises. They each have like a thing to reel the child in. And then the idea is that there's multiple questions, multiple talking points. And and the idea is that for everyone to share, not just the child, you know, just for like everyone doing the card together to give their perspectives. And, and, um, and I feel like they can be helpful because, you know, obviously it's really important to mirror for your child exactly, you know, who you want them to be, who who you want, to, you know, to be that person that you want your child to be, right? Uh, but sometimes we don't always do a good job, right? And,
0: no, no, we we don't, we don't. Yeah. And right? but but the idea is that as as we become parents, and I've learned this myself. Our parents did the best they could with what yeah. they knew and what they learned, and it's our job. And that, like, that was kind of comes back to the conversation earlier about how it stops with me. Like this, like at least I'm going to be active enough to know what's really going on and and take an active part role in it, and realize that by my actions it can cause a whole ripple that we don't want to happen. So I totally agree with that. I love it. And matter of fact, I'll be ordering those cards in the next couple of weeks because. Tim and I actually had an interesting conversation with a, a social worker here in the area. That's actually um, the wife of Jim from Nippertown. And uh, we're going to actually be doing some stuff with her. And I would like to use your cards for it, for peer stuff. Be awesome.
2: Well, I'll send you a deck. So, you know, oh,
0: sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that.
2: Um, but but yeah, like I, I think that like, you know, it, we can... The, Conversation is a major tool. And, and not only can we help explain things to our children, we just create self-awareness when we talk about, um, when we talk, right? And when we, yeah. ask, when we ask certain questions, and um, which uh, all goes back to building resilience. And it's certainly not the answer. Resilience, you know, suicide is such a complex thing. And resilience is just one little piece of the puzzle. Love
1: it. Love it. Perfectly um, said, perfectly said.
2: Right. But it's like the thing that's teachable to our children. And it's the thing that we can work on for our own day-to-day mental health.
1: For, for anybody that's listening, that is interested in, in purchasing the Biggie's cards, how would they go about doing so?
2: Um, so the website is the com, and, um, you can find him there and you can also follow me on social media and, and access the cards that way, which is my handle is at Biggie's Cards. Um, so yeah.
1: Great. Awesome. I love East it. Cards. I think that's a great thing. And I, I, it's it's just a great thing in general, but it's also knowing from what I understand, it, it's, it's part of your healing process with Grant.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, you know, it's like being that I do have elementary age kids, it's like, okay, this is giving me a way to work on this. Like, this is giving me a tool, you know, that I can start at a young age, kind of addressing some of these, these topics and like, you know, trying to build their resiliency, like, you know, that small thing that, that could make a difference. So
0: I, I'm so, so grateful to hear the story of your brother, because that's how we connect with the spirit world, man, is that we, we tell these stories and we, we keep their spirits alive. Because that's that's really like, you know, I, I think that that's there's so many like good things about that. But I don't know if you've seen uh, Coco from the the disney movie yeah and and i that's like my favorite like disney movie because there's just so much of me like in that movie just music wise and stuff but like the the day of the dead like is like such an important thing because we remember those spirits that have affected us in those ways and and that's the good that's what makes it so such an honor to be able to share conversations with people like yourself
2: well, thank you guys. Thank you for giving me this outlet, this platform uh, to speak about him and yeah, everything I do really, I do with him in, in my heart and in my mind and in my soul. And I'm just excited to be able to to tell his story today. So, so thank you for, for letting me and being. Oh, you.
0: absolutely. You're uh, very, very welcome. Thank you for letting us be the curators of it, man. That's what it's, that's what it's, this is the, this is the best part of it. Is that we get to connect with different people and everything. Uh, we finish up every episode with three questions and uh, two, one semi-serious one, you know, not so serious. And then one serious one at the end. So I'll let Timmy, uh, I'll let TPP start
1: here. Do you have a favorite or least favorite word?
2: Um, you know, I think that's a really hard question, Tim, <laughs> because I don't know. I think that, first of all, let me say that I love words. Like I was like that nerd who would read a book with a dictionary next to me and like look up words. Like I'm kind of like a wordy, Um, but I think words are like very much contextual. Uh, It's like what a word means is based on who's, who's using it and how they're using it. The other day I, I overheard one of my, my son's friends calling him bro like hey bro let's go find some tadpoles hey bro let's go get some pirate's booty you know so like bro (laughs) it like brought me so much joy like hearing this you know so funny but bro like as a word it doesn't really do it for me it's not very exciting you know so I I would say like uh to answer your question uh you know words that bring love into the world that, that bring about positivity and, uh, growth and support of others, love of others. Like those are my favorite words, words that, uh, basically put negativity and just like, meh into the world. Like those are my, I I hate those words. So I don't know. I, I feel like that was probably...
1: No, that was
2: yeah. good. That's a
0: all cheap right. Answer, but <laughs> no, hey, it's it's your answer. Your answer That's is your right. answer. Nobody's your answer. nobody's nobody's trying to coax an answer out of you. I just, it's interesting the different the different answers we've gotten over the last couple of years of doing this.
2: I'm curious we, to hear what other people's favorite words are. You know, yeah. <laughs> what's y'all's favorite? A, words? Can
0: I ask? I, what's that?
2: What are y'all's favorite words? Can I. Ask? Uh,
0: you don't want to hear my favorite word. Oh. <laughs> It's a four letter word that can be used in every in every way possible. And it's and unfortunately, it sounds like a cheap answer, but it's very a very versatile word.
2: Yeah, that I, that I,
0: the, you know, and it's that, that was my favorite. And I felt like I cheaped out on the answer, too, because I love words. And as like a singer and songwriter, like words are really important. And it, actually not to get off topic, because I, I meant to ask you this. I think because you talk about resilience and I, and have you ever heard of the work by Byron Katie? No. Uh, So Byron Katie is a, is a writer. She's written some amazing books and she wrote a book called the work, which is all about doing like shadow work, but on her website, the work you can get a list of positive and negative emotions and I actually print this out for our peer groups on one side is like a complete list, not a complete list, but her complete list of positive emotions and all the words that you can use to describe something. And I think part of it is, is that we're not taught a language to describe how we're feeling. We only know the surface words of I'm scared or I'm angry or I'm, you know, I mean, we know the, you know, we know the curse words, like I'm pissed off or I'm, you know, but it's like, we, we surfacely only have so many words to describe our emotions. Mm -hmm. Like we're either happy, sad, angry, or, you know what I mean? We, I, I think we need to develop a language of words that is, is usable for people and, and, And stuff. And I think by having a, like your cards, it probably actually gives people a different language to describe.
2: Well, it's crazy. You know, like I feel like the English language is kind of limited in some ways. Mm. And, um, you know, I, 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 the ability to express yourself and like communication skills are really a big part of, and it's something I even talk about in my cards. It's like one of the, the pillars I'd say of, Of why I think they can be useful is, yeah, they build resilience, they talk, you know, help, you know, build your child's emotional intelligence, um, and they build connection, and they help with communication skills. They help teach our children how to talk and how to use what words we do have um, to discuss their hopes and dreams and fears and challenges, uh, because, yeah, talking is like, being able to do it is is can can, can be hard
0: absolutely absolutely i agree um so so now to get back to train back on the tracks now (laughs) so the the second question is cat dog or other
2: Hmm. um so i'm like a dog person by default because i've always been around dog i mean cat haters like my family, my parent, everyone was like, no, we're not, we're never getting a cat. And my, even my husband, I said to him recently, I was like, we should, listen, maybe we should get a cat. And he said, oh, no, no, no. I've got asthma. Like, there's no way we can get a cat, you know? So he kind of put the kibosh on that quickly. Um, so, and I love dogs, but like, I, you know, I see people out here in Colorado walking dogs and it's like 7am and it's cold. And I'm like thinking, oh God, that looks brutal. So I'm like a cat, cat, cat. <laughs> But meanwhile, I'm also like this person who my husband says I, it's like I, I plan for the best. So like in my ideal world and like when I dream of having a cat, it's like kind of like a cool cat that's not snobby and doesn't like pee all over your house. It's like a dog cat. So my answer is cat. dog
1: cat. I'd have a dog cat. I'm with you. I'm with Don. Ah, uh, huh? Timmy.
0: Timmy wouldn't have anything with a cat in it. <laughs> Fernando. <laughs> Fernando. I'm gonna send Fernando your way, dude. Is Fernando a
2: cat? <laughs> Fernando is my
0: yeah. Fernando is my cat. Um, oh, okay. We uh We weren't. We've actually we when my wife and I moved in together a long time ago. We actually had we adopted our first cat and we adopted two more following that, and they lived up until the last one passed away in 2020 during covid and we weren't going to get another cat and then something happened where some friends had a friend of my wife's had a litter of cats and they had one left and and she had his sisters and we decided to take him and i've watched this little guy in a year go from a kitten to a full grown cat and i realized that yeah we'll probably never be petless at this point now because like our cats all lived to be like 16 17 years old so but it is we i love him and he always makes an appearance he's not, he's shut out of this room though right I now seen so him today. yeah now nah, he's shut out i have to shut the door to so keep noise out and stuff so
2: okay all right Timmy.
0: <laughs> take us
1: take us home buddy take us home okay so if there was one thing that you could do or that you would like to see done to mental health as a whole without any kind of restraints or restrictions what would it be
2: um that schools teach the tools to make people you know kids emotionally intelligent in the same way they they do to make kids you know intelligent academically yes um, that that would yes be, that that would be they'd be on equal footing i i that's it that's it
1: love it love it love it love it love it
0: yeah you're speaking tim's language tim's always big on that which I understand. I get it. I've been to some, I've been to some P. I've been to a couple of PTA meetings um, where I've heard, you know, and this is at the, the the high school level because there was some stuff that was like our district puts on like some meetings, like this is pre COVID obviously, but um, where, you know, parents were talking about their kids struggling and it's like to listen to some of these parents feel like they don't have, they don't have the support, even though there's a certain amount of supports in our district, we're fortunate that we have a good district that has supports, but you don't have those in some of the inner city schools and they're trying to build that up. So that's, that's, it's important. And I think it's important for for children to feel like that they can have somebody to turn to one way or another, for yeah. a trusted adult, trusted teacher, you know, if they can't turn to home, you know what I mean? Cause a lot of kids, a lot of kids don't have that. And we found that out in the last year
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like schools are, you know, of course they're, they're teaching skills and. Uh,
0: but, you know, are but are they?
2: But are they? Well, they're trying it, to, right? They're, they're trying right? they're trying
0: and I'm not, and that's not a put down. Okay. That's not a put right. down to teachers whatsoever. Cause we have a lot of teachers. Like I love teachers.
1: No, it's, the, it's, it's the system. It's the system. The system is built to indoctrinate and not teach them how to think, but tell them what to think.
2: Right, uh, the teachers are incredible. Like I feel like geez, yeah. this last year, teachers they deserve trophies. Uh, Absolutely, like they're incredible. Um, not meant to all um, disparage teachers. I it, I agree with you, um, Tim, that it's the system, and I, I guess I just feel like school is shouldn't necessarily completely be a, a domain to learn these hard skills. They the, the soft skills just need to be taught in, in they just should be a part of it in just the same way.
0: Um, I think it actually, if you taught the soft skills, Oh, sorry. I think if you taught the soft skills immediately, I think the hard skills would actually be better because I, I would, because you would, I mean, look, you can teach anybody to, to fill out a check, you know what I mean? But to teach yeah. somebody how to communicate that, you know, I need to fill out a check. That's a totally different thing. So.
2: Oh, Absolutely. I think you're right. The the hard skills would be all the more easy to teach and absorb for the kids with those soft skills under their belt too. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Devin, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure getting to meet you, connect with you virtually, big virtual hugs, Uh, big thumbs up to your husband. Tell him Troy is still the same as it was when he left.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's been an incredible experience for me. And, and I, I appreciate so much you guys listening to my story. And, and um,
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing it and trusting us and, and uh, you know, keeping, keeping Grant's memory alive. Jimmy, another
0: great conversation, man. Another good interview. It's another amazing. great interview. Great another people, great
1: interview. real stories, real people.
0: Absolutely, man. All on Above Ground Podcast, that's right. So until next week, man, be well. Be safe. Be Above. above. If you've lost someone to suicide, you may feel overwhelmed by grief, confusion, or even anger. But you are not alone. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention offers support in the weeks and months following a suicide. The Healing Conversations program gives those who have lost someone to suicide the opportunity to talk with a caring volunteer. Having experienced suicide loss themselves, our volunteers know firsthand the emotions associated with this type of loss. They can offer comfort and guidance, as well as community resources that may be useful on the path ahead. Healing Conversations are available in person, on the phone, or by video chat. To learn more about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and how to schedule your own healing conversation, please visit
1: afsp.org forward slash healing conversations.